Yes, I'm excited this morning to preach to you from Ephesians chapter 4. Um, why don't we read the text first? Um, so if you've got a Bible, get your phone, let's pull that out. We talked about like the schedule for the Q4 and Christ- Christmas and all that, and we set our eye towards, man, we've got to get back into Ephesians because Lance taught so effectively through the first three chapters. Those messages were so strong and so good. And now here we are. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I'm reading from the ESV version. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to watch, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Lord, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts. I am a human being, um, but your word has always been here. Jesus, you were the living representation of your word, and I pray that it would penetrate every person in this room, every person that can hear my voice this morning. You know just what we need, um, and we want it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So here's my outline for these three verses, or these six verses. It's that because of what has been accomplished through Christ, we ought to live in a manner worthy of this call. Point two is Christ provides the example in how he modeled humility. And point three is pursuing unity in the body is evidence of our commitment to our Savior. So we're going to cover those three things in these verses. Um, But before we do that, I want to recap some of where we've been. Because Ephesians really breaks down nicely. in, 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 the, in the way it was written. Um, and so first, uh, Paul is writing this letter from prison. How many remember that? We covered that quite a bit. He's in jail. He's in a Roman prison. And we can read about how he came to have Ephesus be a priority in Acts 19. So if you're taking notes and want to do some studying this week, go back and check that out. Um, we know that prior to his time uh, in Ephesus, he sent out, he set up like a missionary plan to go and serve that city. Um, this city was a city of prominence. It sits in present-day Turkey. So if you're paying attention at all, things are happening in Turkey. Um, and it's worth paying attention. I, I would encourage you, if you are not one that um, connects biblical events to the rest of the world, to make that a priority in 2021. Um, the United States is not the center of this Bible. <laughs> Um, and so make that a priority. Um, but it was a city known for pride and arrogance. It was a city that, that loved to honor the Greek gods. Um, one of the seven wonders of the world was there. Uh, it was a city or a mount built to the Greek god Artemis, the god of the hunt. No, I don't worship him, but I thought that was interesting. So Paul writes this letter from a heart of uh, care and concern. Um, and in this letter, he, he provides really a couple, a couple ways it's broken down. It's, it's the, the why and the what are in chapters 1 through 3. I'm going to cover some of that here. But then the therefore is chapters 4 through 6. So it's like why 
and what happened, and then what should we do then? The therefore comes in the rest of the chapters. So the first three chapters, let's talk about the, the what and the why. First of all, we learn that the story of redemption comes through Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sin, the riches of his glorious grace which he lavished upon us. That's verse 7 of chapter 1. Verse 11 talks of our inheritance with them. And this is sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Verse 5 of chapter 2 reminds us that we were dead in sin and Christ made us alive and, and raised us up, seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This shows us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's a great reminder that it's not because we're so good or so smart or we're in the right family. It's only because of what Christ did that we have this place. Verse 6 of chapter 3 tells us that as Gentile believers, we are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the same promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Remember, Paul is a Jew. He called himself the chief among Jews. Like he was the, he was the Jewest of the Jews, right? And now his call is to the Gentiles to say, I was one of them and this is for you. It's pretty powerful. Think of a biological child in a family telling an adopted child, no, no, you belong here as much as I do now. That's what Paul's doing. It's powerful. So there's so much more that Lance covered um, and, and, and so much more in these verses, but that's like the main thing. And I, I love the songs that were chosen today. That second song, like a lot of what's in there is what we, is what Ephesians is about. And so that was so cool to be worshiping that, thinking, wow, they're going to hear these verses, and we've been singing about this, and hopefully that song stuck in your head on that beautiful new guitar and those two voices, because that's a good one to be singing all week long. Um, and then he closes, after those first three chapters, he closes with a benediction of sorts in verse 20 and 21. So if I can, I'm going to press on you a little bit right now. Lance talked about New Year's resolutions and words for the year. Um, and so if, if you say, no, Matt, you can't press on me, like, then you can plug your ears. But if I, if I can, I'm going to press on you now for a moment. It'll take you 19 minutes to read the book of Ephesians. Like 19 minutes. Think of what happens in 19 minutes in your day. Okay? According to Crossway, 70% um, of people say they spend at least 30 minutes on email a day. 59% of people say they spend 30 minutes watching TV, 55% reading other books, 32% podcasts, 28% Facebook, I think those people lied, and 26% YouTube. So 19 minutes of your day, and you can read the whole book of Ephesians. And as you think about the way these letters were written, like we often study them in chunks, like today, but they were written as letters. And the, the, the book of Ephesians tells a great two-part story, which we've been talking about. So I encourage you to go back, read it cover to cover this week. Think of when you have 19 minutes, when you wake up, when you go to bed, over your lunch hour, whatever it is, and jump in there. And this as a quick little bonus fact. If you take 30 minutes a day, you can read the whole Bible in 160 days. So that, that, there was a, an infographic I came across, and that was really encouraging. Because this is a time to set goals and, and have words and, and focus on the year because you can look back on this.
We had a date last night. We have never had a date on the second day of the year. Yes, my wife is worshiping. And we talked about our words and we wrote them down. And it's like, wow, this is so cool to, to set an, an, an intention or attention for the year that we can come back to. So it's not too late, okay? There wasn't a deadline. There isn't a deadline. Um, the cool part about the new year is it reminds us of that verse. I think it's in Lamentations, which says, His mercies are new every morning. Like, it's the new year every morning, right? We just have this feeling because of the ball and how we celebrate this thing. Like, it's, it's this time of the year to do this, but it's new every, every morning. So, all right, so let's jump into our text for today. The verses we read. Verse 1 again says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. So here Paul's bringing us back to the why. Okay, why, why are we doing this? You've been called to this. You've been called to this. Christ accomplished what he did, and that's why you should walk in this manner. There's this book by Simon Sinek called Start With Why. It's a popular book in 2009. It's probably been read by all these corporations. Like, why do you, why do, you do what you do? What's your passion? Right here, Paul is pointing us back to, he's about to tell us what we need to do, but he's first reminding us that the reason why is because of what Christ did. The word for worthy is axios. That's the, the Greek, it's the, the worthy word translates from the Greek word axios, and it means to be of equal weight. Okay, so our heart here is to say, God, let me give back to you on the same level that you gave to me. And because he's the God of grace, he's never going to look at the scale and say, oh, you don't quite measure up. Because we're going to lean into what we learned in chapter 3, that we didn't earn this, that Christ, or chapter 1 through 3, that Christ did it, and therefore all we have to do is set this as our focus, to walk it, walk it out. So that, that's the way. That's the, the practical way, worthy of, of this call. Um, a simple way to think about it is we're going to believe his teachings. Okay, so in order to believe them, we've got to know them. We've got to read them. We've got to spend time with them. We are going to trust his promises. So when things don't look like we think they should look, we're still going to trust him. And then we're going to obey. We're going to obey when it hurts. We're going to obey when we think we know the way or there's a better way. We're still going to obey. Verse 2 connects us with what, what I think is the greatest weapon or the greatest tool to create unity, and it's the word humility. There's like no weapon that humility can't overcome. He also speaks of gentleness and patience here, but just to kind of hang on humility for a moment, Philippians 2.8 says, Our Lord Jesus uh, humbled himself even, even to the point of death. So he had all the power. He had all the glory. He had all the ability to say, that's enough. Like you talk about, you know, we... One of, my, one of the lines we talk about in our families, I, I, I redlined. You know, my dad taught me that. I, I redlined. What does that mean, Dad? I lost my patience. You know, I raised my voice or whatever the case. You know, the red line on the car. Think of that engine. Christ had the right to do that. He had a right to be fed up. But he chose to continue to not be fed up. And eventually, that humility led him to his death. The interesting thing about Ephesus at this time is 
humility was like mocked. Like humility was a joke. Like you were like a slave. That, that was a slave attribute. Okay? What was, what was prized is pride. Like self-sufficiency. I don't, I don't need anyone. I'm my own man. I got this. Again, if anyone could have lived that way, Christ could have done that. But he didn't. He surrounded him with 12 PhDs who had advanced degrees. Oh, no, wait. He surrounded himself with a bunch of people that had really not much going for themselves and lived in community with them. So Paul pointing this out to this group of believers reminded them in their context how different he was. I think that's important. Madison has an identity. We got a lot of smart, smart people here. I don't think we're too different from ancient Ephesus. I think that a lot of what's prized is education and training and expertise. And I know that I know that I know. And then I know what I know, so I don't, I don't talk to someone who doesn't know anything. I'll go find the other guy that's really smart, or the other gal that really knows. And she's an expert, and he's an expert. And I don't bother with the little people that don't know. Paul's saying, no, remember? Christ made himself like the leather people. He made himself like the slaves for you. The power of bringing unity through humility just cannot be understated. Um, we talk about being patient and gentle. Um, that's just not prized right now. What's prized is being right. Again, kind of picking on social media here, but everybody seems to be an expert. Like, all you have to do is post a few hundred things, and pretty soon you're an expert. Like, are you really an expert? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it just feels like there's a channel to become an expert, and then that becomes who you are, and then everybody should look to you, and, and that feels inconsistent with humility. Um, so the, the smarter you are, the better you are, the better you are, the more you look down on those that aren't like you, and here we go. Here we're down this train, and it's the opposite of being Christ-like. So in our efforts to build unity, let's return to what humility really is. And the beautiful thing is the person we're trying to follow, Jesus Christ, modeled it for us. Christian unity begins with humility. Mildness, patience, and loving tolerance of one another. One way to model that, I think, is to ask questions. Um, I, I walked in a restaurant. I had my, I had my lunch. Um, I left without my mask on. And I, I'm not going to jump into the mask, no mask debate right now, okay? I realize half the world thinks yes, half the world thinks no. But this person, man, this manager accosted me. He accosted me. And he, like, you know, like, you can't be here. You can't be here. And, you know, we had eaten. We had paid. We are out the door. This is a, a business lunch. Um, and I, at this point, like, I'm, again, I, the red line analogy, it's there. It's there. And because, again, he wasn't gentle. He wasn't kind to me. Um, and I, like, he said, well, then you'll have to go. Because I said I, 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 I wasn't going to wear one in that context. And um, I said, okay, I'll go. And I grabbed his card and I went in the parking lot and I called him. And I talked to him about... I want to understand, you know, why you're operating this way, why you're treating me this way. Um, and I just, I sought to understand. And then he told me, which was 
pretty much the standard line. We're trying to keep people healthy and care for our staff, and that's fair. And I said, well, have you considered the effect that these masks might have on other people? Maybe an autistic child is struggling with this. Look, I've learned that um, it's, it's not uncommon for rape victims to have bad memories because in those contexts, people wear masks. And having not known that before, I had never would have given that thought. So somebody put that seed in my heart. And I said to him, have, has, has this restaurant, I almost said their name, I don't want to say their name. Um, I said, have you given thought to these other populations of people? And he came back with the same corporate line, but he did it in a tender way. And all of a sudden, we had built a connection. This is a stranger. This is someone, again, this is, you might say he's an enemy to me. Like he was, he kind of bowed up on me. And now all of a sudden, we're speaking the same language because he's expressed to me his concern for people. But I'm telling him, well, I'm concerned too. I'm concerned about people that maybe you haven't thought about. And I just said, listen, I'm not going on Yelp. I'm not going to rip you, rip your restaurant. I am coming back because I like your location and I like what you serve. And maybe you and I can just connect and talk about this. And right away, like again, he just dialed it way down to 2,000 RPMs, and pretty soon we're, we're at cruising speed. And he's like, you know what? He said, I, I'm so glad you called. And he said, we, I, I just appreciate having these conversations. I said, hey, it's a difficult time. We're all trying to figure this out, right? He said, yeah, yeah. So like in that moment, just asking the question, have you thought about other people made a difference? I think often if we've done the homework, if we've done the work to become the expert, well, then we really don't have time. Just, just providing a second example here. It's like, who are you to tell me? Like, I've researched this, and I know. I think a way to build unity within the church on topics that aren't like, that are maybe more matters of preference, is just to ask people what they know and have them share and just listen. Listen in a manner that isn't like you're responding with your questions right away, you're responding with your criticism. I think that builds unity. There's something about being heard and understood. I mean, we've been through marriage counseling. We might be the only ones in the room that have. Just kidding. Um, but like, what happens with a marriage counselor is like one of you is forced to just not talk, and the other one is forced to talk, and he or she doesn't usually say anything that hasn't been said. But like, once it gets said, the person just feels better. And the counselor says, doesn't that feel good? Yeah, was that so hard to listen to? No. But like you just don't, your, your natural reaction isn't to do it, right? So I think a way to build unity, especially on disputable matters, is to just listen to people. Just listen, listen, listen. We'll come back to more of this a little bit later. I don't think cancel culture, culture has a place in the church. I really don't. This idea that someone can be canceled for something they say. I think we need to be heard. Now, there's irreverent things. There's things that, that people, you know, if you're trying to be rude, if you're trying to poke the bear intentionally, that's different. But I think if you're earnest and your desire and you just, like, are confused, like, the church should be the place. To some degree, the church should smell like an ashtray, right? Like, we, we shouldn't be all cleaned up and proper. We should be real. So that builds unity, having people be able to tell their story. The other word that they talk about here, actually I jumped ahead to, let's get to verse 3. So I'm going to read that for you real quick. Eager to maintain the unity in the spirit 
and the bond of peace. So that's verse 3. The first thing I want to draw your attention to here is to maintain. So this isn't a new thing. This isn't like, hey, in 2021, Metro Believers is going to create the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace in Madison. This has been going on for years. Take us back to Acts 2. That's how those people lived. They had nothing. They had each other, and they had this gospel message, and they had a bunch of people trying to hunt them down, right? So that's where it started. So our call is to maintain it. When I think of uh, reconciliation, which is that verse there, the bond of peace. So there's, there's, there's like a reconciliation that, described, that can be described in the word peace. Um, peace can be described as a state of reconciliation and love. So that's one way to think about the word peace. Not just peace, you flower children out there, not just this one, but like reconciliation and love. And when I think of reconciliation, I think of like a checkbook, okay? Some of you don't know what that is, but that's okay. Um, it's fine, it's fine, old school. But what you did with a checkbook is you figured out what did you make, what did you spend, and what's left? Or what do you owe, right? Depending on, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been both for all of us, right? What do we make, what do we spend, and what's left? Well, in God's economy, we made nothing, we spent everything, we owe it all. But because of Jesus, we have all we need. He's given us a new identity. Again, see chapters 1 through 3. And therefore, we're able to live at peace, walking in Him fully. So, like, are we there now? Like, this is a great time of year to say, are we walking? Are we able to walk in that, in that bond of peace? We should be able to. This is that manner of, uh, that we ought to walk. Back to the first point. If we don't rightly see ourselves as Christ sees us, we have zero chance at peace. Back to Lance's point. We're putting different things on the throne in that context. context. The only thing that has a chance to unite us is this bond of peace we have in our identity in Jesus. Everything else will divide. All right, verses 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit. Feel free to hear Judah's voice singing as I read this. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This reminds us what we're ultimately about. Have you seen those charts which describe like, like, belief systems and like in the in the it's a bullseye chart and in the middle are like the absolutes and then depending on which version of the chart it goes out to like convictions and then opinions and then things we have questions about instead of uh, convictions or opinions it might say preferences right so the things that are absolute are what we've just covered like the one faith the one baptism the one lord the one father overall like, those things unite us. Has this past year been about those things? <laughs> no. Like, it, 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 it has gone out and become about all these other things. Do you wear masks or don't you wear masks? Are you meeting in person or aren't you meeting in person? We form opinions based on those things or the other. I like Lance's prayer for High Point. Like, 
They're doing what they got to do because that's what they got to do. Okay? Again, it's like me coming into your family and saying, why are you doing this when you didn't ask me? It's one thing to seek a mentor. <laughs> it's another thing for me to come in there and offer my opinion. That's not going to build unity, guys. That's not going to build unity. We've got to recognize that focus on the absolutes will keep us together. Stay in the center of the bullseye. Stay on the one faith, the one baptism, the one Father. That's going to keep us on track. That's what's been there for, for thousands of years. This is what unites us. There's so many things that can distract us. And who loves distraction? Who loves division? The enemy of our soul. He knows what he can accomplish through division. He knows, he knows that if he distracts us with things, if he gets us focused on the wrong things, that he's going to divide us. United we stand, divided we fall. And that's not just within this room, but that's in this city, that's in our world. So our passion to focus on the absolutes has to remain. That has to be like, if you take one thing from this, when I think of Christianity, what is core to who we are? One faith, one father, one baptism. That's what we stand for. The idea of uniformity can creep into the church, and it's something that we have to fight. What does uniformity mean? It means remaining the same at all times, at all cases. You don't change. That does not sound like the church to me. And yet it's easy to have people be made in my image. <laughs> it's easy for me to have people, for me to have people think they should think what I think. But that's not what the Bible asks us to do. There's, there's a unity that's not uniformity. The body of Christ is diverse. So our great challenge is to partake in the existing unity and contend against the enemy of our soul and his attempts to divide us. I, I would say there may have been a time when the church has been more divided or at least as divided as it, as it is right now. But I, I also think it's fair to say that there's never been a time when we've experienced this type of division and have had access to so much information. Like you walk around with this phone, which is more than it took to put that first spaceship in the, in the, into orbit, and you can learn everything about everything. You might know, not know if it's true or not, but you can form some strong opinions about what you pull from here. I, I have a friend who's a professor at Notre Dame Law School, and I was just talking to him last week. Um, he happens to be friends of um, uh, the most recent Supreme Court justice. And I got a chance to talk to him. I'm like, what was that like? Wow, that's so cool. And I'm like, where do you find true news? Like, where do you find the truth in news? And he's like, well, when you find it, you tell me. So this is a guy that, like, eats books like this for lunch, you know. He, he just, like, motors through stuff. And I'm thinking he's going to have the, the quick answer for me. And he's like, brother... You've got you to know your Bible, and you've got to, you, you kind of got to aim in the middle, so to speak. You've got to hear both sides. You've got to seek to understand. And then based on this biblical truth, you form your opinion. Holy Spirit-led biblical truth. There's no quick answer. There's no 10 points. There's no one person. There's no one Twitter feed. There's no Facebook site. It's this. It's this for all of us. So... The challenge before us is great access to all this information, but for us to know that the source of truth is right here is our weapon. So as we start to bring this thing in for a landing, I think there's three 
practical ideas I can give you. There's probably a lot more, but here's three. The first place to pursue unity is in your relationships. And I would say if you're married, within your marriage, within your home. Um, you know, if you're dating, if you're single, think siblings, whatever the case. And interestingly, later on in the book of Ephesians, he goes right into it. Remember? Husbands, wives. Right, uh, Ephesians 5, submit yourselves one to another. Boom. Husbands, wives, little long, parents, children. So he hits on that later on, which we'll be teaching from later. Um, but I think, I don't know where you find yourself with your relationships, but man, it's always a good opportunity to take an inventory. It's obviously always a good opportunity to just lay yourself before your partner, your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, and say, give me some feedback here. And then just nip it. One of our favorite shows is uh, the Andy Griffith Show right now. The girls watch it every night. One of Barney's lines is nip it. Just nip it, nip it. What, what do you feel like I need to grow at in 2021? Nip it. Just nip it and listen. And don't respond and don't defend and, and don't justify and don't explain. Okay, a little confession here. I wasn't justifying, I was just explaining. <laughs> Copyright Matt Cluton. Said Matt Cluton multiple times over 17 years of marriage. I know there's a difference. Does it help in that moment? My wife's inside, she's doing this. No. <clears throat> it would help to just nip it and listen. Maybe it's a time for a marriage mentor. Maybe it's a time for counseling. Um, whatever it is, take that step within your home. Somebody said to me recently, uh, one of the conversations with family, it's like if you, if you, um, it, it can confuse kids if it looks a certain way on Sunday morning and then it looks different all week. And that's not untrue. All that's true and it's hard, but it's true. So take the inventory at home. And the words that God put on Allison in our heart this year have everything to do with that. So it was pretty cool to, she told me when she had her, she said, I cannot wait to tell you mine. So I said, well, then tell me. She said, well, I want to hear yours first. So we're on the same page on that front. Um, but be vulnerable in this area. We know you're not perfect. I remember Dan, Danielle sharing uh, when PG and Vicky left, like one of the things they shared with us that was so powerful is that you're normal. You're normal. Okay, so the, de the devil wants to split you apart and say it's just you, it's just your problem. Invite others into those challenging times. Um, remember what James says, chapter 4, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not your passions that are at war within you? So look inward. Ask your spouse. Get feedback, mentors, counselors, whatever the case. The second opportunity I think we have is within the church. Um, you know, we're doing, a, we're doing a new thing here. This is a season of transition for Metro Believers Church. We're excited. We are excited for what's happening. But as someone who's been in leadership here for years, like I read this verse recently, Ezekiel 34.2, it says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? If you read on, it gets worse from there. I stopped there for now. But it was a call to say, man, how are you caring for the people that God has gathered in this body? And like the cool part about Lance and Dave and John, and I, I just know that the heart is in the right place. 
where we are right now. Um, and we're totally excited about the people that are here, the people that are watching online, that plan to be here. We're excited, and we think providing care will help build unity within this church. Um, one of my pastor friends talks about a culture of care and candor, okay? Candor allows Lance to come up to me and say, hey, Matt, you know, you preach this, um, and just some feedback on this. And have me not say, well, but I just this, but yeah, but justify and explain and defend. Just listen. Candor means I'm open to feedback. Candor means you care enough to take the time to tell me. So, man, I better listen. That's the only way it works. If we're all offendable, if we're like instantly offendable, we can't get anywhere. If we commit to this idea of candor, of anyone being able to speak into our lives, of inviting feedback, that can create a culture of unity. And we can do that with the, the weapon of humility. If we can't be that way in the church, where can we be? <laughs> this is the place to be it. Another aspect of, of us as leaders shepherding and, 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 and creating unity is around building vision. And one of the things Lance said during the, the, the before Christmas message was he talks about just the simple place that we're in right now, how we love this. This is pretty cool. This is pretty neat. Um, and we've talked a lot about this idea of, of knowing his word and being led by his spirit and living in community with his people. Like, I think that's what people want. I think that's ultimately what we want. So there's a little trailer on where we're going vision-wise. It's not complicated. It's not hard. It's not easy, but it's what the Acts 2 church was. And man, they grew. And man, the Lord blessed them and brought people to them. So, so I, I hope that that gives you some idea, leadership-wise, where we're going. Um, much more to come on that front, but we're hoping that that builds unity as well. And so the last little area uh, to apply these verses today is in the, the focus on unbelievers. John 17 reminds us, um, this is when Jesus was praying in the garden before his death, that lost people would come to us because of how others, how we love each other. So he'll, they will recognize him because of how we love and care for each other. And that might be easier or harder in this room. It doesn't just apply to this room. It applies to High Point Church, Lighthouse Church, Victory Center Church. Anybody that partakes in that absolute bullseye belief system, one faith, one baptism, one Father, one Jesus, we've got to love them. And if we do, we can, event, we, we can experience lost people coming in. We want to grow through lost people. How cool would it be one year from now to have this room have twice as many people in it and have there be one person that everybody brought? Now, for those of you who say, I don't have the gift of evangelism, this is the silver ticket I just gave, the golden ticket. Just love people here and love people at other churches. And the Bible tells us that that will attract unbelievers to him. And there you go. You don't have to have some schlick spiel on the street. All you have to do is, 1 Peter 3.15 says, give an account for the hope that's in you. They're going to be drawn to it. 
They're going to be drawn to his love by how we love each other. The reverse is true too, and the enemy knows it. If we bicker, if we poke fun, if we judge somebody else's house, the world's going to say, what do I want that for? I can find plenty of that. That's my world right now. I don't need that. So let's find a way to build others within the church up. In this room, outside of this room, everybody that, that commits to the idea of one faith, one Jesus, let's lift them up. I'm sure you're seeing this too, but it seems like 2020 has, has, been, has, has created a cause for a real paradigm shift. I think the best thing you can say is that people are really concerned about what's happening in the world. That's the best thing. <laughs> I think the worst thing you can say is people are fearful. 2 Peter 1.7 reminds us, uh, Timothy 1.7 reminds us that we're not to be people of fear. Christ has not given us the spirit of fear, but the power of love, peace, and a sound mind. So let's be ready with that word. Yesterday, and this is so ironic, you guys. This is so not ironic. Um, it's a God incident. I dreamed last night about someone who I don't believe I'm in right relationship right now, and it's one of those that I don't, I don't know what more I can do, um, but like I can't get them out of my head. And the, the good news is the dream was a positive dream, and I'm not saying it's a prophetic dream, but it's one of these things where it's like it's, it's a brother I love, and the test in my heart was if this guy was to walk in and have his hat in his hand and say, I forgive you, would I be able to quickly forgive? Or would I hold it against him? And I felt like I'm in that place where I can say, it's all good, man. I love you. I forgive you. Let's go. Let's get back to doing what we were doing. Um, so that was my dream. And then yesterday, we're at Target. And um, we had some returns, and it was Target torture for Dad. Um, but the girls are getting their stuff done, and um, we bump into another local pastor. And... And we just checked in. How are you guys doing? And he confessed. He just got back from Florida, had some time away. And, and he had said, he said, yeah, it's been, it's been really a hard year. It's been really heavy. And he started sharing things about school you know, with their son and started sharing things about their church and just, just the weight that he's been dealing with. And, um, you know, Allison has a way of asking the question, and people would just, just spill it. And there he was in Target spilling it, and then his wife spilling it, and and she just said, well, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm praying for you guys. I, I believe this for your life, and I'm going to agree with you for this. And we're in Target, and I don't know who heard. Maybe nobody did. But I know that God saw us living out that one body, one mind, one heart. And we've always been that way, and I hope that I mean, we're going to continue to think about other churches, pray for the churches. It's not just an exercise in checking the box. Like, we truly care. We truly care, and it was a way to live that out yesterday. So um, maybe somebody overheard, maybe somebody was listening in, but who knows. So I guess my question for you as we, as we bring this thing to a close, as we start to think about our own lives, um, Judah's going to lead us in another song. Um, where is God pressing on you? Like, is there someone that you need to be the one to initiate and go and say, I was in the wrong? I've been holding grudge. I've been holding something against you for a long time. And I just want to seek your forgiveness. Um, is it within your home? Um, is it something like, in my case, like, I haven't been praying for this guy enough. 
So I think part of the dream was a reminder that I don't know what he's going through. I need to just pray for this man. You don't just have random dreams, in my opinion. You don't have random dreams about people that are so vivid and clear. Our God never sleeps. And I ask him to speak to me however he wants. So if that's the way he wants to speak to me, I'm listening. So wherever you find yourself, like what I'm going to ask you to do before we close is Judas is going to lead, Judas is going to lead us and then I'll come back and just lead us in a benediction prayer.